This is the Ezra podcast, and it's going to be featuring Atticus because Atticus is crazy today. And uh, I'm just saying, you know that right now. You will hear some some noises. You will hear some aggression, some anger from Atticus today. But we got UFC takes the you know takes the cake. I always talk about what's the biggest fight of the weekend. UFC takes the cake with Derek Lewis, Derek Lewis versus Serial Gain, which is a fight that I feel like is kind of going underappreciated and maybe it's because of the circumstances that is under which is understandable because Nagano should not there shouldn't be interim champion when you have Francis Nagano who's just won the belt there's no need for it the UFC did this just so they could sell a pay-per-view and put a heavyweight title on the on the line it diminishes the belt but we've been through all that let's just get to the fight now we know what's we know what's there but let's get to a fight that I think is a legit fight I think it's a very good fight, and I think that we're not only sleeping on the fight, but we are sleeping on the importance of this fight when it comes to a man named Serial Gain, who might be one of the best heavyweight prospects um, of all time, honestly. I mean, you got Francis, right, which was, when he came, he was one of the scariest human beings, but people kind of thought he was raw uh, didn't have it all put together. Um, you had I'm trying to think of a prospect for that with Cain Velasquez, right? Cain Velasquez when he came, uh, he he was you know maybe people thought he was undersized. He came at a time around Brock Lesnar, so you know maybe people think serious, but he was considered a top prospect. I would say Zero Gains is probably the best prospect in heavyweight division since Cain Velasquez. Now that's not saying you know it's a prospect, so it's not saying that he's going to win the title. It's not saying that he's going to win this fight. It's not saying anything other other than He's one of the most talented fighters to come in the UFC with only eight fights, and to the ability he can do and the opponents the way and the opponents the way he's beating them is extremely impressive. And I just think that I think we're sleeping on what this fight means if he gets this win and how fast he's getting the win. Because I seen someone tweet out today that this is all equivalent to the amount of days it took for John Jones to get the title. That's what Serial Gain is doing. And this is a guy that turned pro in MMA in 2018. He's been pro long. He's been fighting long, for that matter. And he's able to do all these things with all these abilities. And he's fighting a guy, you know, who's... Serial Gun's a natural talent, right? But he's fighting a guy with natural ability and natural physical attributes that he uses, which is his power and his strength. And when I mean power and strength, I literally mean power and strength. I mean that Derrick Lewis doesn't have the most technique. He doesn't even have a lot of technique. I would even doubt if he has some technique, but he has a lot of natural strength that allows him to, for the mistakes he has, to just really push his way out of it. So he's really like in a movie where you have like an extremely strong guy and he fights like, you know, like Jackie Chan or something like that. And Jackie Chan's doing all these things for him and he's just like brushing it off and throwing Jackie Chan. He's, he's Bane. He's almost like Bane in a way with less technique. He's Bane with less technique. He's a freak of nature. If he lands, it's almost guaranteed the fight's over. There was a story of him, you know, that George Foreman had at one point was looking to take him under his wing to bring him into boxing. Um, I don't think his game would have been, I don't think he would have been, you know, that good at boxing uh, because he just doesn't have that, like, dynamic athleticism that kind of is kind of needed in boxing. And I know there's, you know, especially the heavyweight division, you have some, you know, he has some clubbers and some guys go forward, but there's still, like, some looseness to them. Right for a majority at a certain level, there's some looseness. There's so, but I don't know if Derek Lewis has that. I think Derek Lewis in the heavyweight division in MMA makes a lot of sense of like his success because of his strength, but 
because sometimes those guys' techniques fall apart under pressure or they fall apart in exchanges, and Derek Lewis is able to capitalize on that because he really just needs to land once. Somewhat, I guess, what you would say similar to Deontay Wilder, where in boxing, Deontay Wilder just needs to land, land once. And the, what he lacks for in technique, he makes up for in power. But I would say Deontay Wilder is more skilled than Derek Lewis is in MMA. And he's fighting serial gain, who's going to look to use a lot of technique. He's going to look to be able to punch with his hands and legs and set up things and is decent with a takedown and has good trips and has a good top game and could really do it all and technically pretty damn good. It's in the hometown, Derek Lewis. And uh, one of the things I was thinking about was it's been a while since uh, uh, Gon had fought in front of light. Um, you know, last two fights, which was his biggest fights, were had no audience. They were in the apex. And that allowed him to fight at a pace that he wanted to fight with no reaction to the crowd. And I'm curious if he gets, you know, he starts fighting defensively and starts scoring points and winning rounds, but it's not the most exciting fight because this could be a very boring fight. This could be just a one-way Surugan schooling of a kickboxing lesson where he's just kicking and staying out of range and jabbing Lewis. And Lewis is just unable to really make up the space he needs to make this fight interesting. Will the crowd affect uh, Gain in any way to make him pick up his pace? He doesn't seem like that kind of guy to do that. He seems more composed. And it's really why this is honestly the perfect test for him. This is, can he avoid, is he defensively sound enough to avoid Derek Lewis? Is he skilled enough? Because we know that at a certain skill level, like what Derek happened to Derek Lewis when he fought DC, at a certain skill level, Lewis cannot get up there, right? He just can't. He lacks too much. And if Zero God puts on a performance similar to DC, then you got to really start getting excited about the, him and Francis fighting next. I'm going to say the serial gain is a more credible threat to Francis Ngannou than John Jones is a heavyweight. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that now before the Derek Lewis fight even happened because I feel like no one's really appreciating what Zero God has is right on the. The cusp of, if he wins this fight, of what he's going to turn into, what people are going to see him as, the threat he's going to be, the the talent he is. No one is really putting that together. So I'm going to jump in early and say he's more of a threat to Francis Ngannou than John Jones at heavyweight. And I think a fight between Francis Ngannou and Serial Gain is something to be very excited about. Especially if he gets past Eric Lewis and he gets past him the way that I think he's going to get past him. Now, Gain isn't, you know, me praising about, uh, raving about him. Doesn't mean he's not without his mistakes. I think he kind of fights at the same height. I don't think he ex- it changes levels of his height of when he fights. I think that his head kind of stays in the same spot. He can be hit, made exchanges, right? Especially if he gets, feels like he's on tee off. He's hittable in between exchanges. That's what Derek Lewis is going to look for. Derek Lewis has power. He has a strong right hand. He's gonna if he gets taken to the ground, he's gonna look to you know muscle his way out of it. If you get into a you know a, a scramble with him, Derek Lewis is gonna look for an opening. He's always gonna try to find an opening for his punches. He's a little bit. He's definitely more springy on his legs than I you know remember when I was studying for this fight. He's kind of pretty responsive with his legs actually. Like when he takes a step back. 
and if a guy puts forward, like he's able to gain the space he needs for his punches uh, faster than I, you know, remember. And I think that's where he's going to need in this fight because I think that he's just going to be able to need to respond in little spaces where Gain gives him to where if Gain goes for a leg kick, he can step back and make him pay for reaching for a leg kick or make him pay for reaching for a jab or make him pay for, you know, throwing three punches instead of two. It's those little moments. I don't think he's going to have a lot of moments in this fight. I don't think there's going to be a lot of wild exchanges in this fight. So I think there's going to be key moments to where if he can make Gain pay. And now, does how does Gain, if Gain gets hit, how does he react to that kind of power? What kind of chin does he have on him? We have yet to see him tested like that. What is he bring? What is he bringing to the table in those moments? After the current streak he is in right now, this is going to be to me a very interesting fight. It could be a boring fight, but like I said, the pre's you know the 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 pre storyline, the pre builder going into it to me is extremely interesting. Now the outcome may be boring, but it will still be interesting. Because if Gain is able to make this fight boring and able to be one-sided, that just shows how good he really is. Now, remember, Francis Ngannou had a boring fight with Derrick Lewis. But Francis Ngannou lost that boring fight with Derrick Lewis. Now, if Gan has a boring fight with Derrick Lewis, but he dominates it, it says a lot. And I think it sets up way bigger things for him in the future. I think he's going to win a decision in this fight. I think it's... I think uh, Derek Lewis's biggest win uh, and the one he's most known for and the one that makes people think that he always has a chance in it is Volkov, but that's really the only time he's really done that. In every other fight, he's kind of knocked out early when he's a little bit fresher. I think that Gon is going to get a lead in this fight. I think Gon is going to be able to move, use all his skills, all his weapons. I wouldn't be surprised he lands a few takedowns. I think he's going to bring everything out in this fight. I told you yeah, I gets to make an appearance in this fight, in this podcast. But he's gonna bring out everything in this fight, and it'll be complete the complete weapons, and then people are gonna think he's an absolute star after this fight, and people will be excited about his performance. And him and Nagano is gonna be a really anticipated fight. I feel like this is the cusp of this guy becoming a star, becoming you know someone that we are gonna debate if he could beat Nagano. Very excited for this fight. Now let's get to the undercard. We have Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz. Munoz? Munoz? Man, I don't know. I really suck with names. Pedro Munoz. I have no idea. I don't know why I've, I've said that name before. And I've never had problems with it. And, of course, when it's on a podcast and I'm you know, I'm thinking about what I'm saying, I struggle with it. I, I choke on it. I, I stumble on it. And I, that frustrates me. And I'm going to listen to this tomorrow and be like, what the hell? Say that word correctly. But I'm just going to call him Pedro from now on because I don't want to mess up on it. And I don't want to listen to this podcast tomorrow and be criticizing myself like, what the hell are you doing? So Jose Aldo, not on the, you know, the top of his game anymore, but still very good. Still very competitive. Also doing what not a lot of fighters do at this age, cutting weight, getting to a lower weight than what he fought at. That's not what happens. Usually you go into a higher weight. And you say, oh, I was cutting all this and I was taking all this for myself and I'm better at this weight. And then you get smoked by those guys. But no, he did the opposite. He went down in weight and stood competitive against very good guys. And maybe was robbed a fight, lost to the champ, won another fight that was, you know, a a guy that beat Sean O'Malley. And now he has Pedro Munoz or Munoz or wherever the hell you say it. 
and this is a you know uh, two top ranked fighters at that weight division, both you know in you know a few spots behind in line for a you know a, a title shot, but still right there. And Jose Aldo, because of his name, is you know gonna jump a few spots, especially if he gets a devastating win in this fight. He's definitely gonna you know I think him and Sanhagen. If he wins this fight, him and Sanhagen would be an interesting fight. Him and Dominic Cruz be an interesting fight. Him and Frankie Edgar be an interesting fight. What he's bringing to the table now, and he's always got the leg kicks, but they're definitely used a lot less. Now, I think it has a lot to do with probably injuries over time to his right leg that doesn't allow him to use the leg kicks as like how he used to, where he used to chop down trees with them. But he still brings it out once in a while, and it's still very effective. But he's definitely more of a boxer. He's definitely looking to pick shots with you. He's uh uses jab, he uses a, a lot of uppercuts, he has a counter right hook, a counter right uppercut. And he's looking to get in a boxing fight. Now he's a real straightforward fighter and he doesn't have any angles and he doesn't have really any explosive leg movement. So he's going to have to, you know, pick shots at range, which he's not bad at. Now his punching rate has gone down considerably. Which is I mean to be expected, right? If we look at Anderson Silva towards the end, his, he was picking shots here and there. Jose Aldo's not as bad as Anderson Silva, like later in Anderson Silva's career. But he is, you know, his, his, his punch output is definitely diminished. His striking up was definitely diminished. He's Now, he's never, uh, he's extremely experienced. He's not, you know, uh, if you get him to the ground, which probably Pedro will want to do, I don't think that he's, you know, a fish out of, uh, out of water at all. I think he's pretty damn talented there too so he's he's still got things to make him a threat and he's dropping down the weight so maybe he has a little carrying a little more power now he's gonna fight a fighter that's gonna want to come forward he's gonna want to exchange now pedro is not the most dynamic puncher he's kind of all his shots are kind of looping kind of hooks not a lot straight down the middle he's gonna look to uh you know his stance i was looking at his stance and it's more like the classic old, older, early 2000s boxing wrestler stance he has. And that's kind of like what his striking technique is. He definitely strikes more like a guy in, you know, you would see on like classic knockouts of the UFC like back in the day. He, he's, I wouldn't say he's like the, the most modern technique striker for an MMA fighter. He's a little slow, but he's definitely tough. He's definitely willing to take shots to give some. He's got a, like a, um, He's got with his with his right leg. He's got a little teep body kick that he uses. He kind of uses it a little, uh, kind of often. It's kind of interesting because it doesn't look like there's a lot behind it, but he kind of goes to it a lot. He just feels really comfortable with it, and it doesn't take a lot of movement to get that shot off. So that makes sense, but it just doesn't look like there's a lot behind it. He's definitely gonna look to grapple. Like to me, he's got a strong. He's strong on the grappling. He's strong on the ground. Has a strong guillotine. I seen him land a guillotine with the guy's arm in, and he still got the submission. He still got the guy to tap out. I expect him to try to get this fight on the ground. I expect him to put a lot of pressure on Jose Aldo. I think Aldo is still going to be able to pick him apart, though. I think Aldo's dynamic and his striking. I think Aldo's more comfortable in those exchanges that Pedro wants to be in, but Aldo's going to be hitting him down the middle. And I think that his uppercuts are going to be very effective in this fight. And I don't think he's afraid to go to the ground, but I also don't think he's that easy to take to the ground. I think this is a good fight with good exchanges that Aldo just lands a cleaner, bigger shots. And I don't believe that the takedowns are as effective as Pedro wants them to be in this fight. And when it comes to like a boxing fight, I think 
Jose Aldo's going to win that. And if that's where he's at, he's going to put himself in a beautiful position after this fight with another top contender. In the interesting and long journey of Jose Aldo's career. Let's go to the next fight. Let's see here. Sorry, working this new note thing. Okay, we got Michael Chiesa versus Vicente Luque. And now Vicente Luque is a highly entertaining fighter. And he's the man that basically, you know, uh, got Tyrone Woodley basically cut from the UFC. Uh, Tyrone Woodley looked to exchange with him, and he got slept. And Vicente Luque is not, not the kind of guy I would recommend really exchanging with, especially with the hands, because he's pretty good with his hands. And he's pretty loose with his hands, and he's, his stance is pretty balanced, so it allows him to respond pretty quickly. And he looks, he's pretty good at countering. Like, he's not just a brawler. He's, he's a good striker. He's a tactical puncher, tactical striker. And he can counter. He's not just looking to put pressure on you. He's looking to set up shots as well. Now, he puts himself in bad spots because he's overly aggressive. Like, he could lose himself in the cage. And that's where Michael Chiesa is going to find his opportunity. Because it's not going to be in stand-up. If this fight stays standing, it's a one-sided beatdown for Luque. Michael Chiesa cannot stand with, with Luque. Michael Chiesa needs to get this fight to the ground. So, where it, what it comes to is, how does he get the fight to the ground? Is he going to look to wrap up legs? Is he going to look to get in a clinch? You get a full body clinch, you get a takedown, which Michael Chiesa, you know does kind of rely on but that means he's gonna have to kind of take some shots michael kiesa's stand-up is more you know trying to avoid strikes but find his way in he doesn't have like a dynamic you know head movement or dynamic legs on finding his way in it's kind of using his reach and pressure to just find opportunities and when he strikes he strikes stiff but he's strikes to fall in to get a hold of you i don't know if that's gonna be effective against kiesa i mean against luke but i think luke will at times put himself against a fence without him noticing and i think that's where kiesa can get the fight to the ground and luke on the ground like when the fight against nico price gave up his neck and nico had something and then let it go because he wasn't sure if he was going to get the positioning on it and when he didn't want to give the position i thought he kind of gave up something that he had pretty tight on Luke's neck, and I'm just thinking if Luke gives that up to Kiesa, I think Kiesa finishes it. Kiesa's very good on the ground. That's where he wants to be. I don't the my whole problem with Kiesa, and I picked against him plenty of times, is he's not dynamic enough to me to beat like the top, top guys. I don't think in this sport, like the time of MMA, I don't think he could win without having some form of stand-up. I just don't. I just think that being a one, you know, like I'm gonna go straight to the ground and everybody knows it, I just think it's such a disadvantage. And I think that it's way more of a disadvantage than being like a stand-up guy that really doesn't want to go to the ground but, you know, can kind of defend it. I think the guy that just wants to go to the ground and doesn't want to stand up at all, I just think that it's very hard to be, you know, beat the top, top guys. You kind of need to bring something on the stand-up. And he doesn't have that. But I think that Luque makes enough mistakes to give Chiesa enough opportunities on this fight to get it to the ground. And I think if Chiesa gets to the ground, Luque will be overly aggressive and give him something in his neck, and I think Chess is going to get a hold of it and end this fight. And this will be a big, humongous win for Chess. Uh, put him right there for the title shot with uh, Leon Edwards, who deserves a shot more than anyone. Right there with um, Masvidal, with Gilbert Burns, and he could fight any one of those guys, and it'd be a very good fight. 
for him a very good opportunity to get to the title shot. But I'm a big kiss in this fight. Now, this fight stays standing, though. This fight stays standing. He can't find a way in. He's going to lose. That's Luke's way. That's my counter. Is that Luke keeps his Luke keeps his fight standing, and Chiesa has a hard time getting in, and tries to get in with a clinch, and just gets lit up. And I, if that's the way it stays, it's fights over in the second round. Now on the boxing card, we have two boxing cards this week. I'm only going to cover the main event on the the zone fight matchroom fight camp, and that's going to be Kid Galahad versus uh, Jazza Dickinson Diggins, and um, Kid Galahad. Keith Galahad, who had a controversial loss against uh, Warrington, he's a good fighter. He's, uh, you know, not the fastest, not the most powerful. He's kind of uses off-speed stuff, kind of uses, you know, movements that are kind of hard to predict, uh, switches, you know, stances in front of you, picks one shot at a time, holds. He's kind of going to use a lot of tricks to kind of get the win right he's kind of he's just not gonna outspeed you outpower you out technique you he's not gonna do that he doesn't have that he's gotta he found a style that works for him and he applies it and i've always liked that and i always say that about fighting you find a style that works for you and you apply it same as Derek lewis in the main event in the ufc and that's what he looks to do in this fight now he's gonna fight jazza dixon jack jazza dickens who is a more compact compact puncher compact guard come forward better technique with his punches more punches punches and bunches all right defensively leans forward a little bit and i think that this is a hell of a matchup i think this is a very good matchup but i think this is more what the fight camp is looking to offer maybe not the best guys but just maybe the better matchups of the weekend and that's what this fight is it's the best matchup of any fight this weekend in boxing and the winner of it, it's in an interesting spot because you got Marisa Laura versus Warrington in a rematch. You got Le, uh, you got Laywood who just beat Zucan, who looks like that might go in a rematch. That might be another rematch. And the winner of this will be in a good spot with all those guys, right? And maybe they're not the best guys of the weight. Di- they're not the best guys of the weight division, but they're all right there next to each other. They could make maybe some of the better fights of the weight division, especially if the other guys don't have anyone to match up with. In this fight, I think Jazza Dickens is going to win. I think that his no-nonsense style, his compact but straight punches, and his movement and pressure is going to kind of put Kit Galahad in awkward spots. And I think that the spots that where you're kind of, you know, playing that game with Galahad and it, it kind of works, I don't think that – I think that Jazz is going to kind of walk through some of that stuff and get him and put him in spots where he's not, you know, able to fully – to fully do his game, not to fully try his tricks. I think a lot of his tricks are – the pace might be too much for him to – for those things to work. Now, the counter is – I have Jazza winning by decision. I don't think any of these guys have a lot of pop. I think this will be a competitive – you know, even if Jazza wins, I think it's still – there's some competitive rounds. I think the counter is Galahad wins a decision, and it's just because maybe the one-shots he picks look a little bit more. They look a little flashier. He's able to hold. He's able to make it kind of an awkward fight able to kind of not let Jazza get off on his game and just kind of make it ugly to where he's picking shots and everything else is kind of muddied up. It's all working in a clinch and Jazza's working the clinch, but you can't really see if the shots count or if they're landing cleanly. You can't really tell. So that's the counter. I'm going to pick Jazza in that fight. I told you to hear Atticus. I told you to hear Atticus. 
he's got a problem. I don't know what the hell it is. Okay, let's go to my fake money real bets. And I am hurting right now. I lost on the coffee one. I lost on the zoo can one. And I, I'm down to pennies here. I'm down to 500K. 500K and some change. So this week, I'm going to go with only one bet. And I think I'm... I'm risking a good amount, 300K at minus 360 to 139K. But Cyril Gain, I like everything he's bringing to the table in this fight. And I just think you're giving me all those things and you're just giving the other guy the power. I've seen that happen too many times to where the guy with the power loses. I've just seen it happen too many times. Tyson Fury, Dante Wilder. You could go on numerous occasions of the Jeff Lacey, Joe Calzaghe. The guy with the skills usually wins. Class shows over time. I think Zero Game wins a decision in this fight. 300K at minus 360 to win 139K. Thanks for listening. This has been the Ezra Podcast featuring Atticus.